Hi everyone, John Clare here. Welcome to episode 29 of the EvoFi podcast, a finance podcast for humans. We hope you are all well and staying healthy. Today, we welcome a familiar face back to the podcast, or should I say voice? That would be none other than Mary Morris, CEO of Virginia 529. You know, college planning is a topic we get lots of questions about, so I can't think of a better person to chat about these with than with Mary. If you want to check out our previous podcast with Mary, go back to episode 19 from back in June of 2019. College costs have increased constantly over the last three decades, and that can be challenging when the tuition price tag feels like a moving target. So we'll talk to Mary today about a new option at Virginia 529 called Tuition Track that may present a more affordable and flexible option to help you save for your child's future. So stick around to learn more. Also joining the podcast today are fellow Evo Fires Dave O'Brien and Cecilia Fleming. If you're not already a subscriber of the podcast, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or pretty much anywhere else you get podcasts these days. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram at EvoFi Podcast or drop us a line at EvoFiPodcast at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you. As a reminder, this podcast is 100% free of any tax, legal, or investment advice. Our goal is education and a little fun. If you need advice in any of the areas mentioned, tailored to your specific circumstances, feel free to give us a call and we'll see how we can help. Now, let's get to the podcast. Here's the EvoFi team talking with Mary Morris of Virginia 529. Enjoy. So again, welcome, Mary, uh, back to the podcast. We uh, are lucky to have you with us again, so thank you. Thanks. It's nice to be with you. Yeah, it's been a little while. It was back in June of 2019 before the world changed. Back yeah, when everything it was a long was, time ago. Yeah, so much is different now. Uh, and that was episode 19. So for all uh, those of you who are listening. Our most popular episode, I believe. It is right. Yeah. You definitely so, the most popular a, podcast. A high bar for yeah. us today. <laughs> And our listeners are going, okay. So we're going to see if we can beat that record today. So we're very, very, uh, very appreciative of you being here. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the program you launched on February 1st, um, which was called the Tuition Track Portfolio. And we're going to get into that um, in a little bit here, as well as um, some, I would say, common questions that we get, and I'm sure you get as well. So put some helpful hints toward the end of the podcast and can't think of a better resource than you to help us um, answer those questions. So, um, but I would be remiss if we did not start with the Evo 5. Um, since you were a returning guest, we did think about skipping over this, but I figure we have to, we're going to stick with, stick with the plan. <laughs> so hopefully you'll bear with us for just a few minutes as we go through this. Um, we did change the questions for you. Um, so, um, hopefully you, you didn't recognize any of them and, um, but it'll give, give our listeners a chance to no. I just looked at them. So this is not pre-prepared because okay, I didn't well, think to go, just, Oh, I should check and see what they're going to ask me. Just go with the first thing that comes to your mind. And if it's not good, we'll edit it out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mary. Fair enough. Um, So this is the first time we're asking this question. I really like this one, actually. What's the one thing you have not done that you really wanted to do? And what's holding you back? So this is a fun thing. um, And it goes 
way back to when I graduated from law school, which was a very long time ago, which is some kind of a bike trek through Europe. And I don't even care where it is. It could be in the British Isles. It could be, um, I really like wine. That's as I've gotten older, that part of it's probably changed. So, you know, the Tuscany region of Italy or Loire Valley in France. Um, I, I would just love to do that. And I was scheduled to do it when I finished law school. And sadly, my dad died right about that time. And plans changed. And I just never got back to it. You know, that was going to be six weeks Ural pass and take your bike and the whole bit. And so, but it's still on my list. It's like that to me would just be amazing, but I need to get in better shape before I can do it now. So that's holding me back. I've just been working since and uh, time has passed and I need to be in better shape to do a bike trek through Europe. So. Well, that sounds really fun, especially after COVID. So uh, there's some version of that, hopefully that you can make real. Yeah, well, that's holding me back too now, obviously, but uh, maybe I'll get in shape before things open back up and mm-hmm. put it on the list again. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Oh, that's a hard one because <laughs> I've done a fair amount. You know, I've taught, I've practiced law, I've, you know, I've worked in the government sector. And I like a lot of things, and I've done some strange things. I worked as a bank teller a million years ago, and I worked in a hospital. So I'm not sure I can come up with a good answer for that. Um, I'd probably like to do something if I were going to change. It would be something that's more outside. So anything that's really confined, I guess I would not like to do. I like to work around people. So I like being on a team and working with people. So anything that's super solitary, I would not like to do. So basically like the last year and a half. (laughs) Well, I like to see people on, you know, I guess I get to work with people. Yeah. I don't get to see them. I get to see yeah. them on screens, yeah. but we're still a team and yeah. we're still doing doing projects as a team. So, so Lighthouse Keeper um, to, would not to, be one of those uh, <laughs> destinations yeah, exactly. on the European bike right. tour. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big navel gazer, so right. I, I need things that sort of keep me engaged and having something different happening all the time. So anything very routine and, and done just by myself, that's not appealing. All right. What would you do differently if no one would judge you? <laughs> well, see, I don't know. I've actually that's pretty much done what I wanted to do, so I'm not sure I can come up with a good answer for that one either. Uh, I don't worry too much about yeah. judgment, I guess. So there's a trick question. I've never been inclined that's the right to do answer. things that I think people would judge me for. Yeah. So okay. I like that. How was it a trick question? I like that. Oh, no, I was okay. going to say it was a trick question because you answered it the way it should have been answered, which is there's nothing that I worry about if people judge me for. I think that's a perfect answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't worry about that too much. Yeah, no. good for you. All right, this is a little bit of a fun one. What is your happiest childhood memory and what makes it so special? Um, for me, it would, I would say family, and we called my, I have to put it in air quotes, camping trips because we didn't really do camping trips but from the time I was really tiny until I don't know I don't know it was probably 15 or 16 we would go a couple of times a year and it was a big group and that was what made it special it wasn't just my family but um, it was some good friends of my parents they've been friends since high school most of them had more kids than we did I had a brother and a sister and we'd probably have 25 or 30 kids and however many adults that would work out too and it was a bigger group, so there were people we didn't know, but it was our group. And for me, there were very few rules. Once we got there, it was Camp Greentop, 
near Camp David, the president's camp in Thurmont, Maryland. And we went every year. So it, it had a routine to it. Like we knew what we were going to do. We were going to stop at the cozy restaurant Friday night and have dinner and meet up with people. And you know, Saturday morning, we knew what was going to be for breakfast. And, you know, Saturday night was spaghetti night. I mean, it was just all the same. It was like almost the same every year, but it was different and special. And, and there were no rules. So the morning would start and the kids would just go and we would wander the mountain and, you know, hike and play. And my family didn't always let me do that as I was growing up. We were a little, a little sheltered, like you can't wander too far. So uh, it was just fun and I loved it. And it all blended into one big memory over a bunch of years as I grew up. And it was the same people and we grew up together and it was just fun. Wow, that sounds like nice. awesome sounds experience. Fun. Awesome. All right. So this is the last one. Um, and I know we've had with Zoom, we've had some technology problems with the song. Uh, so we've got a song here in the theme of the podcast. So uh, okay. I'm going to play it for you about 10 seconds of the song. There's so many songs written about 529 plants. Well, that's what I was telling that's Cecilia. Really uh, there aren't a lot, believe it or not, or else <laughs> you'd be using it probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. I'm not good at this, but I'll try. Well, the tuition monster song. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. Well, we'll get into We do the have our own theme music, but it was written for it, but I'm not sure I would recognize it. All right. Well, this one is a bit more of a classic. So if you don't hear it, um, if you can't hear the audio, we'll, we'll improvise. But uh, here we go. Give me, uh, let me pull this up. And here we go. Never, oh, never met. Oh, I can't remember the name. I know the song. I can even do the motions to it, so if you can't see me, I mean, it's the Temptations, I think. It's the Temptations, um, never, yeah. Never met a, what is it? Never met, yeah. Never met a girl that treats me girl. quite the way that you do. Mm -hmm. The song is called Get Ready. Get ready. There we go. Get ready. The lyrics here I come. Okay, gotcha. Now don't I really got apply it. to Virginia 529, but the theme of get ready, I think, uh, probably yeah. applies pretty well. So, um, and I think that's a great segue into um, why you're actually here today. And again, thank you for being a good sport with the Evo 5. We appreciate that. I like that. We, we may have to adopt that as our theme song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm sure the Temptations, uh, whoever's left, could, could use the, the royalty money. So... <laughs> Um, so anyway, so again, today we were going to kind of have you want to talk about some of the frequently asked questions about the 529 uh, plan. Uh, but then on February 1st, Virginia 529 launched uh, the tuition track portfolio. So I figured this is a perfect place to start. Um, you know, uh, people can go to Virginia 529 and read about it. But obviously having you here to talk about some of the 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 major highlights i'll let you kind of tell us a little bit about the impetus for the new program and what it's all about and and if it's okay we'll go from there sure i would love to great i always love to talk about our programs and and this is one that has been a long time coming we have worked really really hard to develop this and um really hope that it's going to be something that Virginians really take to and appreciate uh, what went into it and, and what we're offering. And it is, uh, as I said, the process of a, a lot of study and a lot of work. Most of your listeners probably are familiar with our prepaid 529 program. That's our, we call it our legacy program now. That's where we started. That's really where 529 started. You know, a handful of states that um, started providing prepaid programs and the uh, the IRS challenged their 
tax exemptions, just their, their status as a state program years and years ago, and ultimately led to the creation of Section 529 that provided great tax advantages for anyone participating in any of our programs. So prepaids are really the backbone of what we do. And we spent several years studying it, and we decided to close that program. So we closed it when it was strong, when it was doing fine. That was really important to me. But we looked at it and asked ourselves, is this the right program for the future? And what we try to do every day at Virginia 529 is think about how is education evolving? How are the needs of our participants evolving and changing? And do we have the right programs? Are we offering the right solutions to get ready for the future? Um, so I'm going to lean into your theme. And awesome. it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And we just decided that it's in, again, no aspersions to prepaid. We still have about 60,000 contracts. They don't change the people that have them. It's great. It has been great for those families, but it wasn't working for enough Virginia families. It was simply getting too expensive for most to fully participate in. And that's one of the things that really bothered me. Um, we, you know, when we first started, you had to buy at least a year. That was the minimum that you could purchase a year's contract. You could pay for it over time. But you had to commit to that. And for a lot of families, that was a big jump. Uh-huh. And the price kept going up. And everyone knows what's happened to stun to tuition inflation over the last 20, 25 years, which is how long we've existed. And so probably eight years ago, I think it was eight or nine, we cut in half what it took to get started. We went to semester contracts. We said, well, I can't do anything about the cost of tuition. We can make it less expensive to get started by just what you have to commit to. And even that got expensive. So by the time we closed, it was almost $10,000 to purchase a single semester contract. And that's just a lot for any family to get their head around and feel like they're really going to be able to take charge. And so we looked at that. We also looked at how people consume education. Um, you know, more and more we see families looking at almost just-in-time education, um, going to community college, uh, certificate programs, you know, stackable credentials. And so something that's built on starting when you're 18 and going in for four years and graduating and then, you know, having a a great life isn't necessarily where everyone's going. And then finally, the prepaid had, it was complicated. It still is complicated for those that use it. It can be a great benefit, but it's different levels of benefits depending on where you go to school. If you go to an in-state um, public school, that's probably the highest benefit. If you go to an in-state private school, it's a little bit different calculation. And if you go out of state, it's something different yet. And that's generally the, the lowest sort of value on your investment and what you put into the prepaid contract. So we made this decision to do something different. So we're still, and, and we developed the tuition track portfolio, and it is still a defined benefit. It's just a different benefit, and it is much less expensive to get started. So we wanted something that was truly accessible and affordable for the majority of Virginians. We wanted something that everyone could uh, could tap into. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what your household income level was, how much you could commit to saving, you would have something that protected principal um, and would try to keep up with tuition inflation. So we based the value of a unit in a tuition track uh, account at average tuition, um, and that's weighted average tuition at a Virginia public university. And a unit is 1% of that cost. So 100 units would cover or have a value of one year of average tuition at a Virginia public university. But you can purchase a fraction of a unit. You yeah. can get started just as you can in any other Invest 529 portfolio 
with ten dollars, and where you go from there is up to you. Uh-huh. So I'll take a breath. <laughs> yeah, that's a good primer. I mean, it makes a I lot can of talk sense. All day, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mary, so listen to you. Um, I mean, inflation on college tuition in Virginia has gone up what fifteen to twenty percent over the past ten years, and so in order to keep pace with that. The, the prepaid plan had to go up too. And this allows uh, families to purchase just a piece, right? units right. Of, of, uh, of a year. Um, if somebody purchases, well, first off, let me just say, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think it's really easy for folks, I hope it's really easy for folks to, to understand. And I see it's on your website now. So um, what, what's the, the, the plan to get word out to families in Virginia and is this available only to families in Virginia? So as with our original prepaid program, because, you know, there is still, there's some risk on us, right? We're taking on the risk of providing something that we're telling you your value never goes below what you put into it. And and after a three year holding period, you'll get interest. So that, you know, relatively low because interest has been low for a very long time, but you would get some return on it. If you hold until your expected usage date, which is when the child reaches college age, um, then the value is based on whatever average tuition is at the time you're going to be using it. So however much that's gone up, our promise is we're going to cover that. And, um, and so we basically are only willing to offer that to Virginia citizens, um, is what it comes down to. And that's the way prepaid was designed originally. So either an account owner or beneficiary has to be a Virginia resident when mm-hmm. they start to purchase. Now, if you move afterwards, you can continue um, to fund your account. So we're only looking at it when you first open the account. Um, and then the benefit is the same. So we don't care where you go to school. You'll be paid the same thing. So you can always figure out what the value is or what it will be in the future uh, when you when it comes time to use it of those uh, units because it doesn't matter where you go. We became agnostic. That leaves it up to the families to be more flexible. So we were looking for affordability, flexibility, and simplicity in building this new program. And I think we've done that. Um, you know, it used to be you had to think, oh, gee, I really need to encourage my kid to go to a state school because that's where the most value is in my prepaid contract. Well, and that can be a great idea. I really never had any problem with that. We have 15 of the best universities in the country. So, you know, you should be able to find a Virginia public school, but that's not what everybody wants for right. their kid. They have legacies elsewhere. They've moved away and, and they want to go elsewhere. Um, so with this, you decide and you decide when you use the units and what you use it for. Mm-hmm. So prepaid was kind of predicated on this is going to cover tuition and fees, period. We would pay the university and depending on where you went, we would pay out for tuition and fees. With the tuition track portfolio, you have units that have a value, just like the value of your units in a mutual fund. Um, whatever they are on the day you're going to cash them in, that's the value you get. And you tell us either what dollar amount you want or how many units value you want, and we will send it to the school, to you, or to your beneficiary. And then it can be applied for any qualified higher education expense. I know we're going to talk about that later, but you don't just have to use it for tuition and fees. Um, and so if you go to a Virginia public university and more than half actually come in under the average tuition, let's say you have 100 units a year. You, you're able to purchase 400 units, which would be like an old four-year contract. If you go to a less expensive school and you have 100 units for each year, you can cover tuition and fees 
plus some other expenses. So you can cover part of your books, room and board, whatever it happens to be. And you decide. You start a community college, you might only need, I don't know, 40 units for the year. And those extra units that you have, you can now use them. You might have 140 left in your uh, junior and senior years, and you can apply that towards whatever costs you have for those last two years. So it really puts, we think, the family in the driver's seat in a way that uh, the older program doesn't do. And Mary, a question. So how does a family track, let's say, that they've purchased uh, you know, 100 units, a couple hundred units? Uh, how do they see what's that average cost? Is that something that's updated every year on the website? How do they gauge what they've got? Yeah. <laughs> we spent we spent more time than you would probably believe trying to figure out what the statement was going to look like and how we were going to communicate that because that is the one bit of complexity in this because um, if you take your money out before your that expected usage date, then then the value will be less. In other words, you, mm-hmm. you only get that average tuition at the time you tell us your child's ready to matriculate um, and, and move on to, to higher education, unless they should graduate early or if they start taking college level courses, then we will pay out at average tuition, but it is intended to be used for post-secondary education. And that got a little bit tricky because um, as we'll probably talk about, you can now use a 529 sure. account for some um, elementary and secondary expenses yep. as well. So, but this program was really designed for post-secondary expenses, but exactly. So we'll show um, sort of the maturity value on a statement. So in any year you can see what, the value is for that year if you're in that, you know, at or after your expected usage date. If you're not there yet, we'll show you what your current value is so you can kind of compare. So you'll always know what the value is should you need to cash it in, but you can also start tracking and see how average tuition is increasing, assuming that it is. Obviously, it could go down. That's happened once <laughs> in the last 25 years. Um, when I was back when I was in the, um, I guess that was when I was state treasurer, uh, we had a one-year rollback and two years of flat tuition. Other than that, it's been pretty much of an upward trajectory. Um, it has moderated in the last few years, and, and we'll hope that that will continue. And during the pandemic, obviously, last year, most schools held pretty steady. Um, I expect they'll stay pretty steady this year. But then you know, after things come back to normal and when they've not been able to have normal increases, you know, typically then you see, you know, the prices start to float up. So over time, you know, we've seen anywhere from a you know, four to six percent annual tuition inflation over a pretty long period of time. So whether that will continue, we don't know. But but um, we have some historical information on the website as well about what it is with the usual caveats like any investment, um, you know, past performance, past tuition inflation isn't an indicator of the future, but it gives you an idea of what's been happening. Well, and one of the things that I noticed when I was reading through it, the information, there are two words that I think, um, if you were going for these two descriptors, I think you hit the nail on the head, which was one was flexibility. I think um, it allows you to, to, to use some of these funds for, you know, um, other non-tuition related yet qualified expenses, which prepaid didn't allow uh, in the past. And also affordability was a big one. And I think that, I think this program definitely in the way it's laid out on your website is quite intuitive uh, on how that works. So I think definitely those okay. resonated with me. So um, I think those are, th- those are actually um, pretty obvious when you look at this. Um, 
I had a Our marketing team worked really hard on that. Well, so and we've tried to, I think there's a lot of good information on the website. There's a really good two minute um, sort of tutorial, yeah. a video that I think's really well done and, and kind of explains it. The calculators I think are helpful yeah. also. I, I'm going to do my best to not completely just keep firing random questions about the program at you. Um, if there's, if there are certain things that you'd may want to make sure we address, uh, certainly we'll give you the opportunity to do that, or we can just, um, kind of fire a few questions about um, h- how the inner workings of this program um, work. Well, that is that good for sure. you? Okay. So That's one of the, good for me, sure. One of the things you mentioned uh, just a second ago that I wanted to understand is um, we have a lot of folks that we work with in our day jobs who have maybe grandparents who are out of state. And we always get the question of, hey, you know, can, can grandma put money in to, for college for the kids? And you mentioned one thing, which is in order to participate in this program, um, they either need to be either the owner or the beneficiary needs to be a Virginia resident. Um, so does that mean that if a grandparent is out of state, they can still set up one of these uh, tuition track programs for an, yes. a, a Virginia grandchild? Yes. Okay. So that's actually yes, a great absolutely. way for if, you know, yep. grandma wanted to you know, lock in 400 credits of, uh, we didn't call them credits, units rather, units of yes. that could mm-hmm. be done at today's rates by someone out of state. That's correct. Exactly. And, uh, you know, one of the things, and, and I, I probably didn't make it clear as I sort of jumped into the middle. The other unique thing about this is that this, uh, we only have one program now. You know, we've always had several and, and that we run a direct program. It is now Invest 529. So the tuition track portfolio is one of 20 some portfolios that we offer within our Invest 529 program. Okay. And all those other portfolios are available to anybody that is a national program Um, but we wanted to put them together so people could really see what their options were and make it a part of their overall plan Um, obviously we also have college america which is our advisor uh, sold platform Um, but one of the things that i think for folks in your line of work that makes the tuition track portfolio appealing and having it within invest 529 makes it doubly so is that it gives you a little bit more to advise on with the direct 529 program because I think you can really take a look at that, that tuition track portfolio for Virginia residents and say, hmm, is that a good option for sort of the fixed income part of their college savings? Something that's going to try to keep pace with tuition inflation, which is very difficult to do because there's no good sure. um, surrogate for that and any other type of, of investment. Um, and then you might make a different choice. You know, you might, may or may not use our target enrollment funds. That, that, you know, evolve over time, you might be more aggressive, uh, you know, and go into something that's, you know, all equity because you got the fixed income piece covered with the tuition track portfolio. That's your job to do. I don't give mm-hmm. advice, but um, I think it makes it interesting for a financial advisor to really look and say, what's the right fit for my clients? Well, they really are they risk averse and yeah. will it be really appealing to have that principal protection feature that historically you had to make a much larger commitment to receive. I, I find that appealing just personally. I, you know, my kids are too old and I don't have any grandchildren yet, but uh, you know, I find that aspect of it appealing. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I agree. There's a lot to, um, to consider in, in how that's structured because always with VPEP, the prepaid plan, that was tuition. So you still needed a savings plan to cover all those other uh, eligible educational expenses in college. And this uh, being a part of the invest program, I think makes it just a little bit more intuitive, 
but it also does, uh, I, I think, um, make for a lot of um, analysis to determine what's, what's right for any one person. I'm wondering if maybe we could talk about some of the, the folks who don't work with advisors. I mean, we work uh, with our clients, um, and that's a real small subset of, of Virginians and people who are listening, and we do uh, run across questions from folks who aren't our clients, plenty, uh, around just saving for college. And it's really, it's sad how many questions are out there. I mean, you all at virginia529.com have a really, I think, um, pretty straightforward website. I mean that in a good way, right? You can find your answers there. Uh, and a lot of the questions that we've fielded kind of get into the, you know, I don't work with an advisor. Um, so how do I even begin to understand how much money am I supposed to be saving for college? I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old or, you know, I haven't really started yet. We've got some money in a bank account, you know, that we've saved up from birthdays. Where do we get started? And this is for the do-it-yourselfers. Um, where do people start learning about how much money they need to start saving for college? What resources have you all found are useful for those? So we do try to provide some of that. And, and one of the things that we're looking at right now is, is enhancing the customer journey and finding the sort of the pain points and finding places that we can um, provide more information. Obviously, making sure that we're not providing advice because we're not, we're not allowed to do that. We're not financial advisors. So we want to inform and educate as much as possible. We're getting ready to launch um, a tool that helps do some portfolio selection. So it's just going to let people dive in, ask a few questions. And um, and we actually want to add to that also a little bit of a risk aversion or you know, sort of what's your risk tolerance quiz as well, which we have not gotten quite ready to launch. But just the portfolio selection tool um, we were about ready to launch at the same time as the TTP, Tuition Track Portfolio, and just thought, that's maybe too much. Let's step back. And so that's going to come very soon. Um, but it's a way of just kind of guiding. It looks a little bit at your your time horizon and tries to provide some basic information about um, something like the target enrollment funds. If you, you know, how long are you waiting? What, you know, what is your tolerance? What type of investments are, are you interested in? So we have some of that. Um, for folks who just sign up, if you go onto our website and, and, and actually you don't have to open up an account, if you have an account, you have access to this, but really if you just sort of set up a user ID, you have access to some tools that we have, um, the third party helped us create that lets you do some planning and that has uh, some, some tools for some ideas on what tuition inflation looks like. Um, they developed the calculators for us for the tuition track portfolio, which are right there on the website. And that does a little bit of that work for you. It lets you play around with looking at what tuition is likely to look like in the future. You can put, I think we have 5% as a, as a default, but you can put whatever percent you think tuition inflation is going to hit. And it'll give you an idea of then what it's going to look like in the future. So those calculators can be helpful at goal setting. One of the things that I'm hoping in the next year i want to tie tie our development team down to it exactly but um you know have something that'll actually give you a chart so you can see how you're reaching your goal right if you start saving to kind of and, and set a goal um, i want to cover and you can do that now with the calculators we just can't lock it in i want to cover 25 percent of the future cost of higher education you know figure out what's realistic 
for you, how much you can save. Um, and with our calculators, we let you look at it both ways. I can put in $50 a month. How far will that get you? What is it likely to cover? What do you think that'll cover in terms of tuition TTP units in the future? And you can do that with some other things as well. Or I want to cover X percent and then it'll try to calculate how many units you should try to acquire. So you can come at it from a couple of different perspectives. Again, trying to give some tools. And uh, you know, to your point about just people having such limited background and I was just reading something yesterday that more people are open and millennials I think are coming back to financial advising that they're more open to getting financial advice I think they're realizing that that the landscape can be a little scary and if you don't have some basic information you know you, you might make bad decisions and so we've tried to enhance even just our program description this year with better definitions for some basic terms you know, fixed income. What does that mean? What's an sure. equity? What's that? What's a bond? Um, because we find that a lot of our customers don't know. Um, it, it's a conversation we have a lot because our customer service team, and they are they don't have licenses. They are not financial advisors. They're just trying to help people navigate the system. But but they're asked often, how much should I save? You know, what should I do? What should I invest in? <laughs> and I keep saying, the answer to that is very simple. You cannot tell them. That is not, you know, that's not our job. And guide them to the website and to the tools that we have um, to get the information that they need and suggest that they speak to a financial advisor. You know, if you're not comfortable with these decisions, seek out some advice. You know, it might be a, a parent or a friend that, that knows something about it or is savvier than you are. But you know, find answers to your questions, and and we try to answer as many as we can on the website. Yeah, and I think you know, the website has some useful under the, the the learn and benefits section that kind of illustrate if you you know wait a year, you give up fourteen hundred dollars of growth over eighteen years on certain assumptions, and then people really want to know yes, but you know here's my situation. How how much should I save? I think anything that can be done to help those folks yeah. uh, just get an idea you know whether they're working with an advisor or not it at least gives them an idea to see like how bad is this problem how much money do i need to put aside because um, it's it's, yeah. it's an expensive bill and and people tend to be afraid to look at it and just put it off well the other side of what uh, of the conversations that we tried to have with people and again when i talk to the media when i do things like this really encourage families to to, to not worry maybe don't worry about that as much but Think about what works for you. You know, you can decide what discretionary income do you have? What are, what sacrifices are you willing to make? What does your child want to do? What are they good at? Are they, you know, are they going to be up for that four-year education? And, and look at other ways to make it more affordable. So for a family that is just simply not going to be able to save everything and they don't think they're going to be able to tap into financial aid and you know we try to provide some resources to help families look at that also you know and you can do expected family contribution calculations we have calculators for that to say how much real grant money am i likely to get if at all you know are you pell grant eligible or you know do you have household income because you've got a couple of kids in college that you might get some aid-based aid or are they talking about a loan package? And, you know, we really try to encourage families to take on as little debt as they possibly can. And you know, we do a lot of education around that. What does that mean? Making sure that students understand that just because it says this is a financial aid package and all you have to do is sign one piece of paper, 
you have taken on a debt that you will have to pay in the future and it's going to have X percentage rate and you know, that's going to be an issue. And, you know, that's something as we hear all the discussions right now about debt elimination and, you know, what's going on at the federal level. Now, I have some concerns around that because, you know, I just think it, it may not be realistic and not something, even if it happens this year, uh, you know, don't count on it for the future. So, you know, that planning part, that getting ready and, and doing what you can do. And then, you know, as things approach, think about what works for you. Think about starting at community college, which is a fraction. It's, you know, maybe 40% the cost, the tuition and fee piece of a four-year university. Stay close to home, you know, save on the, the room and board and the travel expenses so that by the time you get that associate's degree at a much lower cost, then you get your dream school. Then you can, you know, head to California or, you know, whatever, because maybe you have the resources to do that for the last two years. Um, there are a lot of pathways to getting an education, and uh, I just encourage families to, you know, to not to think outside the box a little bit on that, and to think about how you make it work for you. So I had a question, and and, and this is going back to the tuition track program, but something you mentioned made me think of it, which is around community college. So let's let's keep it simple. Let's assume that I've purchased a hundred units, and. Uh, for my first year of school, I go to community college where the cost is well under the average Virginia, you know, in-state tuition. Um, the excess units that are not used um, out of the tuition track program, do those roll forward or does that have to be used in the same year? Uh, and they, are they translating into dollars at that point? Yep. They, they're right. They're translating to dollars. Their okay. value is what average tuition is that year. And okay. they'll go up the next year and the next year and the next year. You have 10 years okay. to use those units under that scenario. If okay. they haven't been used over 10 years, which is, you know, that's a pretty good long while to stay in school. Yeah. You don't lose any value and you don't have any adverse yeah. consequences. It will be rolled into another um, invest portfolio that okay. is, in, in, I, I think what we say is we put it into an FDIC insured account at that okay. point at average tuition mm -hmm. 10 years out. So you've got all that build up in value. Um, and then it's up to you to figure out how you want to invest it further from there. Okay. But it does roll forward, which I think gets back to the flexibility piece. So and a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. One of the things we talk about with younger folks that we work with is, you know, they just need to get started. And I think this program gives them the opportunity to to start, um, you know, at a more modest payment where you can do it a couple of uh, units at a time and then ramp up as, as you know, the income situation changes. So I think that's actually a great um, um, aspect of the program. Um, so if ahead. I could exactly. uh, kind of go back to the um, maybe college savings 101. So we talked about like, how do I find out how much should I be saving? And then I think we talked about this, but we could just kind of go through these quickly. Then what type of plans are available to me? And effectively, we have savings plans and we have prepaid plans, although that's not the term anymore. And so 529 <laughs> plans are both. And Virginia 529 uh, is not the only uh, 529 program out there. Um, many states do. Um, yes. And, and they differ pretty widely, but generally most are savings plans where it's like any other kind of savings where you invest some money and you've got different choices and you hope that it's going to do well between the time you start putting money in and the time you start taking money out. So far, so good? 
Absolutely. Okay. Yep. There are about 100 plans around the country. <laughs> Every state except Wyoming has at least one plan. And Wyoming kind of has a thing that they do with Colorado. Um, just got very many people in Wyoming and <laughs> so they have a, a different structure. Um, and, you know, some have multiple as, as we do and have had in Virginia. You know, for a long time, obviously, we had prepaid. <clears throat> we had Invest 529, which is our direct plan. And then College America, which is what we call our advisor sold plan. And so with that one, we're not responsible for managing those investments. Folks who work with you know, some financial advisors um, will, will use our College America plan. And that's the one that's um, our biggest national program. So financial advisors around the country have, have their clients invested in College America. Um, and you see that in other states as well. Some have only a direct program. Some have, I, I don't think anybody... You know, Washington used to just have a prepaid program. Now they have both, um, but most have just a direct platform. Uh, you don't see as many prepaid programs anymore. Uh, for part of the reason, uh, similar to us, you know, we were lucky in Virginia that we've, I think, managed it well. And, and actually, when we closed that program to new entrants, we actually, on an actuarial basis, were, were quite well funded. Um, some programs didn't have that that experience and so they actually said we, we just as a state don't want to take on that risk and, and they stopped offering that option and just offered a savings option so i think there are about 10 prepaid mm-hmm. programs mm-hmm. and there's also a private college 59 which is a prepaid program which is a really interesting program it's never really gotten to scale i would say but something to take a look at particularly if you are just absolutely positive your kid is going to go <clears throat> to one of the schools that participate in that. Um, Notre Dame, I know, is they've got some really good schools, mm. Notre Dame, Stanford. Uh-huh. They're, you know, they've got a couple hundred schools that participate in. It, it's a little bit like our TTP. You purchase units and, and it will grow in value over time. I hope your kids get into that school. <laughs> I guess that so, seems like putting yeah. your eggs in one basket <laughs> awfully early, right? Well, you can go to any of them, okay. but you can kind of gear it okay. to what the cost will be. And, and you know, you have a, an escalator that is based on tuition inflation. Yeah. I was going to say that gets to another one of the more common questions that that you hear, uh, which is, I have more than one child. Um, Let's just say that notwithstanding the private college uh, consortium 529, but uh, I have two invest accounts and one of them is, you know, got a fair amount of money. The other one, maybe for the younger child, obviously would probably have less money because I've been saving less time. Let's say that my older child, um, Every parent wants their child to get a full scholarship. Uh, few do, but let's just say that there is uh, a reason why that money is not needed. Maybe they defer going to university, or it's not right for them. Now, what do I do? Can I swing that money from my older child into the account of my younger child? Uh, how do I do that? Absolutely, um, a lot of flexibility there, uh, and pretty easy to do. A lot of optionality, and and that's one of the things that I think, um, you know, that's a hallmark of five to nine programs. So, <clears throat> you absolutely can move money. You can change beneficiaries freely, really among any family member. So it can move up and down the family tree. It could go from an older sibling to a younger, or to a cousin, or to parents. Um, you know, we saw that during the first recession. I don't know, even anecdotally, if that's happened here during the pandemic with families, you know, with parents being laid off. But, you know, you can make yourself the beneficiary and go back to school. Uh, and again, one of the things that we talk about now, it doesn't really work for the tuition track portfolio, but for all of our other portfolios, 
you know, any of us could have an account for ourselves. And, you know, with so much change in the world and people not staying in the same jobs and, you know, looking at different, you know, career changes or taking a different pathway and, and so much need for, for skills that, uh, you know, people don't have right now, but you can go back to school and get it. And sometimes you can get that pretty quickly. You can use your 529 account for all of those types of programs. And so, you know, I would say it's something you should just keep an account for yourself or if your kid finishes up even with a four-year you know, university degree, hold on to whatever's left in the 529 and probably keep putting money in because they may decide to go to graduate school. They may decide to go back for some other skills programs. Um, you know, we had legislation last year that would have expanded the use of the 529 into a lot of certificate types of programs and even like credentialing. So if you need to take courses to keep a credential or, you know, accounting courses or financial planning courses or um, a non-practicing lawyer, if you need to do any of that type of work, you could use it. So, I mean, we're broadening all the time the ways you can use a 529. Um, and if you keep one for a child or you open one up as a recent college graduate, if you then have kids, well, then you just make your children the beneficiary and you can start safe for them. So a lot of portability there and opportunities to um, to use the 529 and, and have to pull it out and um, and risk the there is a penalty if you take it out. Don't use it for qualified um, higher education expenses. But we really rarely see that as being an issue. Well, that kind of rolls into the next general question, which is, okay, so then what can I use that money for? Um, what if my child moves off campus and they've got an apartment and they go grocery shopping, but some of their food comes from Chipotle? At what point does this just become a record-keeping nightmare for parents? And at what point is it just clearly not an eligible education expense? So it's it's actually pretty easy. And there there is some fintech around that that it's not quite ready for prime time yet i think will be shortly that will allow you to track better with you know, like a card that a kid could you know that, that a student doesn't have to be a kid could use for those types of purchases you know right now it's a little bit more cumbersome but but there is technology uh, on the horizon um but the simple rule is that every college has a cost of the bits and that on their website or you can just call them and ask and that is sort of what it should cost or what it would cost there for their meal plan um you know or uh for lodging so if you live off campus you want to eat off campus up to that cost of attendance at that school is what you can cover uh, you know so i've had this asked you, you, know, you can go to school in new york and pay a whole lot for you know if someone has money and pay for an expensive apartment and you cannot Use your five to nine for that full amount, but whatever that school says, and it will vary then by geographic region. So it might be higher in New York than it is in Kansas, but it's all based on the school's cost of attendance. That's great. Um, that's pretty defined. Thank and you. And then so room and board, books, as long as you're attending at least half time in, in, a, in a degree program, then you can um, use your five to nine for room and board expenses. You can always use it for books and fees and special needs expenses and computers and computer software and hardware. So it's pretty broad. The one thing you can't use it for is travel right now. That's one of the few things that you cannot use your five to nine for. So spring break is out. Well, nobody's traveling <laughs> anyway. <so. laughs> but you mean traveling, you know, from school sure. to home. Right, exactly. Yep. Just the lights and all of that. And, and schools do have a cost of attendance. I would love to see that added. Um, that was a piece of an apprenticeship bill a couple of years ago. So I think it's something we'll still keep looking mm -hmm. at. 
again, particularly as people use it for certificate programs, credentials, um, community college, you know, that might be back and forth, uh, you know, on a train or subway or, you know, car travel back and forth on a daily basis that can, can really run into some money. And so that's the kind of thing that we'll look at. You know, childcare is one that's on my radar screen as something to look at because, uh, I don't just make up numbers. It's something like 40% of students though have children people don't think about how many people are in school part-time, you know, community college, going at night. And so childcare expenses while you're in school can be a real challenge. And so that's not something you can do now, but something that we're looking at. So we're continuing to evolve. I always think it's interesting, all of the articles written about, you know, how expensive college is. I'm like, you still have a child. <laughs> you know, they still have the cost of life and clothes and stuff. Anyway. Exactly. So I have, um, you know, we have about 10 minutes left and I have a couple rapid fire um, random questions. If I can um, I'll yeah. mute Dave for a second. He's had some great questions, but I'm going to let him hang out for a second. <laughs> so some of us others can ask, ask but um, follow up on something that he asked about. I, I do think that, you know, again, during our day job, when we work with clients and we help educate them, there are a lot of people listening who, who don't work with advisors. And I think they probably have questions not only about what can I use it for, but how does it work? You know, so let's say in, in Dave's example where I've got someone who's living off campus who is, you know, there's the meal equivalent and the lodging equivalent. How does that money actually come out of the plan? Could you explain, you know, kind of the way that people have access to their funds and what type of documentation that they w might be required to keep um, come tax time sure. to make sure there's no problems? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's actually one of the things we had a legislator who's not been happy with us because we didn't get to this fast enough because we were rolling out our TTP, but it's going to be in our system before the end of the fiscal year, which is in June, which is a memo field so that when you make a distribution, you can actually make some kind of a notation as to what you're using Great. those funds for. Um, withdrawals um, go to a school. So that's easy part. Like you just want to use it for tuition and fees or even room and board if they're on campus. That's kind of easy because then they're going to you're going to have that information and keep it pretty handy. Um, so we will pay the university or the community college or wherever you're going to school, the eligible educational institution, um, or you can send it to yourself, the account, or, or it can go to the beneficiary. So um, and it's a pretty quick process, um, and we have sped that up tremendously. So usually, if you make an online withdrawal request it will show up in your account or your beneficiary's account the next day um, or, or pretty soon thereafter. It you know, depends on, on the banks and all of that. But um, So that's a pretty fast process to have that. And then if you've made a notation, you can keep track of it. Yeah, you should keep, um, keep your records. And particularly if you want to also take advantage of like the um, American Opportunity Tax Credit because you can't double dip. So if you want to get a tax credit for some of your college expenditures, and there are two. There's a lifelong learning credit, which is a little bit broader. You can use that for certificate, you know, any kind of learning. Um, if you're in, in sort of a degree program, the AOTC kicks in. And that's a pretty significant tax credit. And again, most people have expenses above and beyond, but they have enough in their 529 to cover. Um, just make sure you're not trying to use the same expenses for your 529 withdrawals and those federal tax credits. Um, so just keep good records. It, it doesn't have to be extensive, but, you know, the kinds of things that you would keep should you get audited. Um, again, it's a fairly low number, but you always want to be prepared and just keep it with your tax records. 
you know, what you've spent for um, the, this higher education expenses. Yeah. Well, so that's an excellent segue to the next question I have, which is around the taxation, the tax um, advantage nature of, you know, currently in Virginia around 529 plans. I'm not aware of any changes recently. Can you just comment a little bit to the layperson on the current state of, you know, tax deductibility and anything you may see on the horizon changing? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't really see any changes. Hope, fingers crossed. Um, but they're pretty considerable just as they are. For any Virginia resident, there is um, a deduction for state income tax purposes. You can deduct up to $4,000 per account per year. And you can have a lot of accounts. I know you and I have talked about this one before. You may have multiple accounts. The way our program is set up, you can have a bunch of accounts. Um, and if you put $4,000 into each one, then you can deduct all of that. And once you reach age 70 or above, it doesn't matter. Whatever you put into your five to nine accounts that you have, you can deduct. Um, and then at the federal level and state, all of your growth is tax-free. So that's a really nice leveraging effect. And as long as you use your funds for qualified higher education expenses, it's never taxed. So it isn't like you know, retirement funds where when you pull it out, it's taxed at the lower level. There are no taxes. Um, and then it's the best estate planning tool, I think, that exists. Um, so for a grandparent, as you talked about, that wants to be moving some money out and do something nice for their grandchildren, you can fund a 529 account and um, do what's called five-year averaging. Basically, you can put five years worth of your annual gifts that don't impact your you know, overall um, gift tax li uh, limit um, or contributions against gift taxes. And it works out to, let's see, it's 15000 a year times 30 times so $150,000 per beneficiary that you can move out of your estate and you still get to be the account owner. So that's that's the magic of it. Um, it's the only estate planning tool where I get to keep control of the funds. I can change the beneficiary. I can take it back. But if I don't do that, I have effectively moved it out of my estate um, in one fell swoop. So that's a really nice Tax tool. It sure is. And just a question, maybe asking for a friend, but that $4,000 <laughs> per account, per account, you know, per beneficiary. Uh, so therefore, uh, parents might own multiple accounts for each of their children. Is that something that yes. uh, there any indication that might be uh, disallowed at some point in the near term? That's that well, is just one of the most fabulous. We, we have benefits. looked at providing. I think some people would like to have a different option where you wouldn't have to have as many accounts. Yeah. Quite honestly, it's not one of the features that I love about our program, but it's a really big lift to change it. That's just the way our program was built. That every position that you have is a separate account. So you know you can create kind of a custom portfolio because we have a number. Of options. You can be in a total stock portfolio, total bond portfolio, a target enrollment fund, a target risk fund, um, but those are all separate accounts, so you can't kind of put it all together. Uh, we want to build that and provide that feature, but I don't know that we'll ever get to the point where we say you can't have multiple accounts, and no indication. It, it's just, it hasn't been an issue, really. It's, I guess, the tax cost of it hasn't been such that it's on anybody's radar um, to take it away, so... You know, never say never, but no indication that that's going away in the near future, at least. Um, so I think maybe one, one, one or so more questions, then we'll let you kind of have the few final words. But another thing we see common these days uh, is around um, 
K through 12 educational expenses, private schools and, and the like. Um, can you just give a quick primer on, on the current state of um, being able to use 529 funds for that, for the people who don't really know? Sure, that kind of that kind of flew through Congress a few years ago, and in, in an end of year bill, uh, which one it was, within three three years now, I guess, um, to allow folks to use their five two nine account for up to ten thousand dollars per student per year for tuition at public, private, or religious schools. So. Um, very tiny amount goes to public schools, but there are some areas where, uh, you know, if you want to enroll your child in a public school that's out of your district, you can pay a fee for that. So that would be considered tuition, um, but it's primarily been used for private schools. Uh, you know, we're seeing a steady use of that, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little bit more even this year. I will say I think it may have been a nice option for some families during this year of the pandemic when, sure. um, people, you know, they wanted their kids to have smaller classrooms. They wanted them to have an in-person experience and their school system wasn't offering it. They put them in a private school. They may take them back out when the world gets back to normal. Mm -hmm. And that was an unexpected expense. So they may have tapped into their 529 account to cover those tuition charges and will hope to catch back up for their their longer term planning in the future. Um, You know, we think it's a fine option. Again, you still can get your state tax deduction for your contributions and even if you pull it out fairly quickly so there's a tax um, benefit there um, that's the kind of too many people did that a lot that might change but for now there's no recovery it is a qualified expense and and you can do that just as you can continue to save while your kids are in college or while you're in college and get the tax deduction even if you're going to be spending those funds fairly quickly um, so you know it, it, it works for some families but again, the, the real leveraging effect of a 529 account is putting your money in and letting it grow tax-free for as long as you can. So, you know, for most families, that's going to be the best option, I think. But that's the family decision. Again, we don't give advice. So you figure out what works for you and your family, and um, it is certainly an option. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to look around. Does anybody else have any questions um, for, for Mary before we uh, start to wrap up here? I guess I'm just curious if there are any other questions that you typically get. I know you talked about funding college is, is a big question that you get. You know, how much should I fund? How much um, will it cost for my child to go to school? Are there any other questions that you regularly get in addition to what we've already covered? You know, one that we get is, will, will there be, yeah, one, one that we get that we try to, you know, um, debunk the myth a little bit. It is uh, a negative impact on your qualification for financial aid by having a 529 account. Um, and that's one that I really think has just always been, uh, you know, a, a problem in search of a question or something. You know, it's really not an issue, but families think it may be mm-hmm. because your 529 account is counted as an asset or it has been counted as an asset for purposes of calculating the, the FAFSA, for doing the FAFSA to see how much grant money and financial aid you might um, you might get. There were some changes to that this last year. So that actually is going to get better for families. Um, and, and I think up to $60,000 of assets is just automatically exempt. And so for most families, um, it's not going to be an issue. Um, and there's always been a, a little bit of a challenge, what well, I call it the grandparent penalty, um, that if the distribution was made from a, a third-party account, 
it wasn't included in the FAFSA calculation initially for financial aid, but accounted in the year that it was given as untaxed income, and it actually had a higher mm-hmm. impact. And that, not this year, but over time, that's going to be eliminated as well. So we're still working on that. Um, I don't think it's a real challenge, but the people do ask about that. Well, Mary, I wanted to put kind of put it back to you uh, to see if there's anything that you wanted to add that maybe we didn't touch on uh, with regarding the new option um, before we... Um before we wrap up the festivities today. Yeah, and I just really encourage everyone to go to virginia529.com. That's our web address, so make sure you know how to find us, although 529 accounts are easy um, in any state. If you're looking for other states' programs, you can find that. Um, there's some good resources, you know, and I always like that. I don't know how far your listeners go, so, you know, I always encourage folks to look at your home state first. Hmm. Virginia is a good option for many, and, you know, there are states that don't have income taxes, and you know, so there are good reasons to use our programs, even if if you're not a Virginian, but look to your state first. Um, and if you just type in your state name and 529, you will find it. Um, savingforcollege.com has a nice website that has, again, a lot of good information. They have some tools, goal setting, talking about debt, just a lot of good information for families planning. And they do a comparison of different types of programs. And then collegesavings.org, which is the College Savings Plans Network, um, has a really nice comparison tool. So, you know, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, the, the podcasts like yours, the national press, um, you know, have focused on 529s more in recent years. So there, there, you know, there's a lot of good information out there. Um, but at virginia529.com, we have a whole section on the new tuition track portfolio. So I encourage you to check that out watch the two-minute video. I think it's a cute video. I've watched it a whole bunch of times. Um, it's a nice primer on what the program looks like, what you can do with it, and play around with the calculators. Um, you know, the tools that we offer, and that's true for any financial product, I think, is don't be afraid of them. Use the tools. You can't break them. Um, you know, that you put in something, you can change your assumptions, and just get a feel for what's going to work for you, and um, do some reading. Make sure that you um, you know, arm yourself with information and, and then just do something, you know, just get started and we try to make it as easy as possible. You can go straight into opening up your account as little as $10 gets you started. And from there, we'll, we'll start communicating with you and send you our, our emails. And again, with those, we try to give a lot of information and tips and, and hints about making college more affordable, not just about, you know, please send us more of your money. Although we do some of that too. Um, But, you know, again, trying to give information and encourage people to do it regularly and to get ready. Now we'll go back to your theme song. Um, That's the most important thing. Just get ready. I'm waiting for the commercial. I'm waiting for the commercial. So I can't wait to hear it. So I'll talk to Scott about that. (laughs) Well, Mary Morris of Virginia 529. Thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mary. yeah. And for all the listeners, the new option is the tuition track portfolio, and you can check it out at virginia529.com. We appreciate everyone listening today, and we look forward to seeing you all on episode 30 in a few weeks. So, Mary Morris, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's okay. great being with you. Bye, everyone.